Hello and welcome to the CDO Magazine interview series. I'm Maria Espona with ARHIC. Today, I have the pleasure of talking with Ankur Utam, Vice President, Data Science and Analytics at Poshmark. Hi, Maria. Thank you for having me on the series, and I'm super excited to share my perspectives with you today. Thank you, Ankur. It's a pleasure for me to, to be here. Uh, well, I have uh, several questions for you. And I would like to start with uh, how you describe the profile of the data and analytics leader. Yeah, sure. Like, I think besides the regular uh, things we see out in the market, uh, there are three things that I personally value a lot. So one of them is a leader who can empathize with all the functions of an organization. So besides just working with their own data teams, they have the ability to seamlessly understand, interact, and engage with a marketer, a product manager, an ops person, or even the exec team. So they have this ability to fluidly move across the organization. The second key trait is their ability to identify and distill key business questions uh, from their discussions and then translate these uh, into data questions that their teams can work on. And once the solution is there, it's typically complex. So how do you translate those complex data solutions back into simple, actionable business recommendations that the functional teams can act on to drive meaningful business outcomes? And lastly, but not the least, definitely, that uh, they are someone who are very passionate about creating new leaders. And they do this by providing them opportunity, training, mentoring, and enable them to become their best selves every day, every week of the year. Well, thank you for sharing your vision. I, I like it a lot because it includes uh, the mutual understanding with the different areas, speaking the same language or trying to speak the same language. And maybe we can move to the question about data literacy, uh, because I think it's it's related to this. How you uh, how important is for you data literacy? Since you have this perspective of talking with all the the different uh, actors in the company, understand their problems, look for the solution, and so how important is for you and how you implement the policy or training in in your company. Yeah, and Maria, you got it right. Like without data literacy, it's not uh, possible to have these conversations. So it is one of my top priorities, right? It achieves multiple objectives that can transform and propel the entire organization to be more nimble and data-driven. So empowering business partners to self-serve a majority of their data needs not only makes them move quicker in their decision-making process, but it also frees up time for data scientists and analysts to focus on more complex data problems. This is a win-win situation for everyone involved. Uh, how I see data literacy is it's, it's not a point-in-time process. It's a continuous process. A new person who would typically join the organization will start with a basic onboarding training which will talk about what kind of data exists, how it can be accessed through our BI tools, and then how can partners use some of the self-serve tools we have already created for them to create their own reports and dashboards. Yeah. However, this is just the beginning of the learning. We live in the information age where data is doubling every few months, and there is increase in both the complexity and the diversity of data in terms of where it's coming from and how it's coming, like an audio, video, images, text files, you name it, we, we have it all there. And then on top of this, 
the wonderful data science and MLAI teams are also continuously building new models and creating new ways of looking and interpreting the data we already have. So over time, you uh, kind of accumulate this new information that's being created at an unprecedented pace. So this demands a regular learning and training series, which covers the newly added data sets and models. And over time, this new information then becomes part of their regular onboarding training. And this kind of keeps going in the loops and cycles uh, as, as we discover new data and create new, uh, new information. Wow. That's amazing. I like your the, the way you uh, we think alike. It, it's it's fantastic. I, I like it a lot. So uh, you you mentioned several data and processes. Uh, which kind of data and how you analyze them in order to increase the value for customers? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I think in today's world the biggest challenge I see is that a consumer wants both privacy and value. So in the past, when privacy was a bit fluid, then uh, businesses were able to collect data and information about customers through, uh, through our data partners and through aggregators. This helped them personalize their experience, leading to better outcomes for both businesses as well as consumers. However, in the post-IDFA world and soon to be a cookie-less world, this is becoming more and more difficult to achieve. So at Poshmark, we have been on a journey to capture the explicit behavioral signals that users leave on the product through their interactions with different elements uh, in the journeys they take on the product to eventually reach their end objective. Uh, we then create some implicit signals using ML techniques like collab filling or deep learning to create a broader profile and personas for each user. And then post that, the next step is to create a hyper-personalized experience for each user to bring the right product and offer in front of them at the right time. You're making me think about this cookie-less world. <laughs> it yes. will really happen in the future? We will be that lucky? Yeah, so, so I think Google has been pushing it out. They have been experimenting with uh, aggregate profiles that uh, businesses can use to target. But uh, it's, it's slated for 24 right now, I'm going away from Chrome. So let, let's see how it plays out. Wow, yeah, it's uh, it's a burden when you are looking at a website and it's, are you accepting the cookies? Are you not? So it's uh, it will make our life so much easier. So yes, it will be yes. it's likely to do that, correct. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's evolving so fast, everything that it's amazing, as you said. Going back to the characteristic that you describe in the profile of the leader, the data and analytics leader, I'm curious about what you think about if uh, how you learn these abilities. Do you learn at the university? Uh, you learn it by doing? How do you? Yeah, I, I think it's a mix of both. Like, There's no one way to learn. Um, there is always this vast uh, knowledge that humans have created over millennia, right? So there is something for everybody to learn at the university in the books and from their professors, from the teachers, right? Um, so let's talk about hard skills and soft skills separately. So hard skills are something that you can learn a bit more and to some extent practice through your like courses, through your um, uh, I don't know, dissertations, et cetera, at a university. 
However, when they you start to use those things in real life, in real world uh, and solving real world problems with a functional team, it is then you learn how to apply them to address customer pain points and not just have a appreciation of the math behind it, but also how that math is solving somebody and relieving their pain. And like also generating value for the organization in the way, right? You're solving a customer pain point, you're generating value for yourself. And over time, as uh, as uh, as these leaders and as the analysts, they work on a varied set of problems. They develop appreciation for the nuances in different customer problems, and how these different hard skills they have learned in school and college and university can be applied towards creating solutions for multiple problems. And a lot of times, these are like tools, like one tool can be used to solve multiple problems. Just have to um, take the consumer context, take the problem context, and use the tool slightly differently. Wow. Soft skills, on the other hand, are, I, I would say, a tad more difficult to teach in a university. Uh, we can learn about different aspects. Uh, let's let's talk about empathy, right? We know, like, it can teach us what empathy is, what we should do, try to inculcate it and learn it. But it's the, the real life experiences and examples when you are observing things happening around you. That's where you learn uh, a lot of this. And the other aspect of soft skills is also around intentionality and practicing. So once you identify that you want to, let's say, learn empathy or you want to be an empathetic leader, first of all, you understand that there is a gap. I am less empathetic and I heard this feedback from either my team or my peers or my superiors. So I have this gap. And then in different situations, you are very intentional in trying to understand what is the perspective uh, of the person whom I'm talking to interacting with? So you have to be intentional in try, uh, knowing and trying to practice to develop a certain soft skill. Challenge in teach how to be empathetic. I, I think it's either you are or not. I, I cannot imagine how to, to grow in that. I think all, all of us have experience with and empathic uh, leaders and how much harm they can cause. Yeah. And I think that it's because of that, we value so much uh, this, this. No, definitely. Part. Like empathy is one of those those things you don't realize how important it is till you till you start, like much later in your career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for, for this. Uh, it was like an academic presentation. So thank you so much. <laughs> to how you presented the soft skills, hard skills, and the different characteristics. And I have a final question that is related to what we, we have been discussing. And it's about uh, AI, that it's AI, digital transformation is everywhere. We were mm -hmm. just talking about the cookie-less world. How do you see the, the future in these areas? Yeah, yeah. I think so. My perspective is that AI ML has been around for decades and we see it in our autonomous cars, voice-based assistants, we see it in chatbots and a lot of products that we use every day. The step change we see in the past few months has been largely driven by the surprising and unexpected success of LLMs, which has mm -hmm. led to an avalanche of uh, what we call generative AI. 
the way different tools and products are commoditizing its availability to both businesses and individuals is fascinating and alarming at the same time. It's like something like I talked about the new data sources being created. It's like a new data source that's being created right now. And it is being used by both businesses and uh, uh, like, pers like personal uh, people to drive their interests at a very rapid pace. However, what we see is there are a lot of uh, real world concerns around plagiarism, privacy, ethics, biases, transparency of uh, how it's getting the data. So what I believe is that this is likely to lead to a lot of regulations to address some of these concerns, while also ensuring that we continue to reap the benefits for societal good. Like it's not that we're just going to box it out and then it's not available. We got to use it, um, uh, I would say more ethically and responsibly. And one of the recent um, um, like progress on this front was the state of California established a forum to prepare for eth ethical and responsible use of AI advancements. Uh, uh, so that that's one part of it. I think the other part on how AI and humans will work together uh, in the foreseeable future, um, I almost believe that right now where we are for the next few years, it's it's like most of the thinking will be done by humans, while the execution of it will be done by AI. So think about it like humans are involved in defining, designing, novelty, and emotion of the product. Whereas AI is trusting with a lot of done before tasks like, hey, create a color palette for this, write some code to automate this and create a template that helps me solve for this problem. What this will help is it's likely to lead to a significant increase in efficiencies and how quickly we develop products, leading to rapid increase in the pace of innovation and learning for the human race. I like this labor division that you suggest that will happen. <laughs> it, it, like... I, I think AI is still not there. So that's that's the thing. We we might get to a stage where uh, like more and more can be done by the machines. But right now where we are, I feel it's like there's a lot of uh, human elements still needed before we can completely transition to the new AI world. Well, I, I I agree with you that the human thinking is something completely different and that it's so far it cannot be achieved by, by AI. Thank you, Ankur, for joining me today. Please visit cdomagazine.tech for additional interviews. Thanks, Maria. It was good chatting with you. Yeah.